0: podcast number 54 the bags and boards show at the table with fire guy ryan we read comics we got monsters to discuss hit the like slap the subscribe button and let's get into it how you feeling sir fire guy ryan Ryan I'm a sir. I know, I'm kind of confusing it because you know what? For a really long time, I stopped calling Donnie Cates Sir Cates. I thought he didn't like it. He didn't like it. He was vocal about that. Well, you know, he was vocal about not like No, 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 no. On the contrary, you're you're mixing it up. I'm mixing up my interviews. He was vocal about not liking the bad boy of comics. That's what it was. That's what he didn't like. He actually said, yeah, Sir Cates is fine. So that was cool. But then, you know, some time passed, some interviews happened. I watched him on screen and he seemed to be kind of dodging, just dodging it like it's dodgeball, avoiding the Sir Cates conversation being addressed by Sir Cates. And you know what? That's totally cool. But in the back of his comic books, I'm sure you've seen it.
1: I sent you a picture.
0: It happens often. Several people have called him
1: Sir Cates in the letters.
0: So in his own comics, if he my my, this was my thinking. It's probably because of us. <laughs> more, yeah, more so yeah. me i probably man because we're the ones who started that but here's the thing i got a vibe that he didn't care for it so i've thought you know what people are calling him circuits at conventions they're they're writing it in the fan letters in the back of the books i don't want that to be a constant reminder of ah oh, you know it's kind of it's that comic time guy yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so so i'm like you know what it's Donnie cates he's a living legend at this point like he's he's multiple years into just amazing comic book run, amazing comic book run, legendary status comic book run, and just like constantly changing the game. I like, you know what? Okay, he doesn't need to have a nickname if he doesn't want one. If Frank Miller told me not to give him a nickname, I would never call him something else. If McFarlane said, you know what? Todd father, I hate that. I would never call him the Todd father. father. Now, is Donny Cates that level yet? No, to each their own and your opinions on the creator. However, is he headed in that direction? Absolutely. So I decided I'm going to cool off. I'm not going to call him Sir Cates. Maybe, you know, I'm not going to add to that. And then I got into a conversation with Donny Cates last week, the week before. And I specifically said, yo, I kind of stopped talking, calling you Sir Cates. Thought you didn't care for it. And he straight up said, no, you can call me Sir Cates. Ha ha. And that gave me the excitement back that, no, he digs it. He likes it better than the bad boy of comics. So I beat Bleeding Cool. And here we are. He's back to being the Sir, ask, Sir Kates.
1: Can we ask James Tynan if he likes to be called Jimmy T? Like Ryan,
0: I, you've been. Okay, so whenever <laughs> I talk to Ryan about James Tynan no, no, James comics. James
1: Tynan the Fourth is a pain every time. I'm sorry, it is. And Tynan is a hard word to say, which is why his whole thing is called Tiny Onion. It's like a joke. I know. Of right? how
0: people have butchered his name over the years. Dude, people on this very team, like I have to correct Russ how to say, because he calls him Tiny
1: Correct, as did I
0: for a long time. Tynan. Tynan. There we go. Right. That's it. But but whenever I talk to you, Ryan, you call him something else.
1: <laughs> I started saying Jimmy T. <laughs> like well, really? you have to say in it more
0: clearly. My, in I my can't. Own head. What do you say? Jimmy T. Jimmy, it's Jimmy T. T. Jimmy T. James you know? Titan in the fourth. We'll Jimmy T. Sticks. Are we going to see if this nickname sticks? Will James get upset? Will we hmm. go on this two-year hiatus, but then come to back. Get upset with me because of um, of his substack. Oh, that's right. You right. are a supporter of his Substack, the big time supporter. Oh yeah, yeah. You paid those two hundred fifty dollars. The membership card. Have you not gotten that yet either? Damn, I got to send him my address. I don't know what's going on. I paid two hundred fifty bucks to the Substack. Right. I haven't gotten anything besides his newsletter, which is great. But I'm not as like up on it as I need to be. I'm very up on it. Well, at least Ryan's up I, I went, all night. I went back in time. That's a whole thing. All right, we'll here we go. Later. All right, so so that's actually coming very soon. Hit the subscribe button. We're actually going to be doing a Substack special here pretty soon, and. As I've mentioned, it sounds like Donnie Cates may be joining our podcast sometime in the near future. And hot damn, we got Ben Temple Smith in the chat. I was going to point that out. Oh man. my goodness. It's no good opening. You know what? Ben T is in Benny the chat. T, <laughs> <though>. <laughs> just, Benny
1: your T. Name, your name works fine as is. I don't, I don't oh need my to, gosh. Um, Legendary
0: horror artist. The... The, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Ben T is gracing us with his presence. My brother, hope you're doing well. We have some comic books to discuss here. We read a bunch of them, but not, that's not all.
1: Not yet. We're not getting into that yet.
0: We're not getting into the comics not themselves yet. yet because we have some monster verse discussions to take place. I've been getting a lot of questions about things that I like. I've been doing some other, like, homies podcasts. And. They're asking, what are things that you like beyond comics? I'm like, well, horror movies is a big thing, and I've been very outspoken about that here Adult on the diapers? Yeah.
1: Really into those? Comfortable.
0: Not for use, but just chilling, you right. know? You
1: don't use them, because that's a mess. Yeah, no,
0: you don't want to do that, dude. Use, mm.
1: use the bathroom. But it's like, like an extra cushion in your pants. So, exactly. So when you sit down on stuff, it's like an extra... Yeah, it's hiding. It's extra padding, dude. There's
0: nothing wrong with extra padding. We need to normalize adult diapers. Okay, so we got that done. Um, (laughs) But what we're going to do is we're going to talk about um, disaster movies specifically, because that's another thing I really enjoy, because there's some things happening on Apple, it's Apple Plus or Apple, Apple Play? T- I don't know. I Apple don't TV? Know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But Apple. but we have some monster stuff going to the screen that we're going to talk about. Some some comic books, some affordable books, and some key comic books. What else do we have on this list? The can't miss box comics that are coming out that you can't miss.
1: That is the name. That's right. That makes sense. We're going to go over some of the books. You know, many of there in in next month's can't miss box.
0: That's so, right. Milgi Comics. Milgi Comics, but over but also wherever you get your comic books. You know, you you go and pick up some damn good comics.
1: We're talking about comics that we are going to send out in this package, but it should also serve as like a notice. Like, hey, these are some of the books we think are going to be really cool that come out in March.
0: And then I have to cover something that just went low key under the radar, possibly one of the biggest, rarest. Spawn key comic surprises that was all uncovered by key collector that was being talked about by no one and it's huge and the story is insane, possibly some nefarious stuff going on maybe not likely not but but we're gonna get into it here in a second but how you, Ryan we didn't even plan on how we're gonna organize this we we no, did everything else we did it
1: one time and then. We we suck.
0: Okay, what I'm going to do here is we are going to um, probably start out with this is what I'm thinking. Um, let's 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 hit you with a, a comic book that's coming out here very soon. That's not it. No. Hold up. Hold that up. That's a different video. That's a different video. There it is. All right. So I have okay. a really cool trailer that I wanted to show the comic fam because this Wednesday you can pick up a comic book that has been in the making, not technically in the making, but has been untapped untapped thank you for 50 you're welcome freaking years and uh let's see our wrench get rid of this you uh, what's going on here uh, uh someone wants us to, to join their only fans and we're here to talk about comic books uh wrench do me a favor boot him and let's get into this we have a character that was introduced in the 50s vampirella issue two her sister draculina all right blonde different attitude but no narratives to be found since then kind of weird right isn't that strange i think
1: after 50 years they'd be like searching for ideas and go back to you know mm -hmm. go back to this
0: yeah the amount of like retcons that happen and stuff in in comics and new characters etc it's it's kind of strange to see um let me see here i wonder if if john is i was hoping john was here can you do me a favor can you text john Oh, yeah. yeah Am it just, I a
1: wrench in your chat? You
0: are. Actually, maybe you you can actually help out with I'll
1: that. I'll do it. A lot cuz I don't have camera.
0: the yeah, I don't have the 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 wrench abilities right now, but I want to boot this person out of the chat. It's a bad one. Um, let's see here. But in the meantime, we are talking about Draculina. This week we have a issue number 1 right. by um, mm-hmm. Christopher Priest who is the person who wrote the 50 years of Vampirella because Vampirella has been around for that long. There was like a milestone issue that was recently had. And this next week, we have the debut of Vampirella's sister. Let's uh, take a look at what's coming. Crisis averted, by the way. Thank you for that, Ryan. Oh, and they can hear us, by the way. The what? They can hear all of this commentary. Cause we have no actual audio besides this groovy music in this trailer, but we have Draculina. And look at her! Ryan! Seems like this is right up your alley. It does? Because of the sex appeal. Oh, wow. Draculina's yes. sexy and they don't hold back on that. I am all about
1: the sex appeal, as people know.
0: That's right. Ryan is the fire guy for a reason. Oh hold on. This is this looks terrible. Look at that. Boom. I wanted to show that one that one shot, and this is looking extra small from the site that I got it on. what a mess what a mess there we go boom, let's see if I can squeeze that down. let's see here, Ryan, what do you think? kind of interested should we I've,
1: ju- I've long had like a uh hands-off policy with dynamite comics just because i never really know exactly where to jump in but this kind of feels like as clean of a slate as you can get especially I, with like a 50 year missing in action kind of element that she has
0: well dynamite has a lot of like you know although it's not part of the trifecta like legendary runs vampirella betty page they have they're handling double oh seven you know like a handful of a uh, uh, very popular franchises that need comic books to accompany them. And they have been releasing great comics. Some of the best artists that are in the game are doing dynamite stuff. Ben TM, the chat, is on is doing dynamite stuff. And, um, <laughs> and as speaking of Ben, he says, Tom has never scammed me on his OnlyFans. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. <laughs> but um, we do have a uh, new run that is Going to be ready this week for people to pick up, and I encourage them to do so because I'm constantly looking for issue ones of titles that I want to get into, but I don't know where to start. Red Sonia was like that for me for a while until I started tiptoeing in, and for the last few years, it's been one of my favorite runs. Shout out Mirka and Dolpho's run, by the way, and Dynamite is on YouTube, by the way, so make sure to be following them on um, follow their YouTube channel, see what they're up to keep up with dynamite comics. Nick Barucci is one of the most active members of the community from like the publishing side. Um, as it pertains to like YouTube channels, he was just on gem mints channel last week.
1: But your boy, Jim Mint
0: doing like a claim sale and stuff. Was Am I,
1: nice. we have something Draculina, right? Am I spilling the beans like prematurely by, by saying something Draculina esque?
0: Yeah. Um, we we may or may not have a Draculina something coming soon okay. by the artist that we have shouted out on this very podcast multiple times. Hot damn!
1: Which artist would that be? Or Are we spoiling stuff? Would, you, know. would
0: you Benny T? Oh, am yeah. <laughs> <So we, laughs>
1: gonna let you, um, let you take that one and run with it and pretend I never never did that.
0: Yo, do me a favor. Um, get make wrench this one too. That one too. Yep. All mm. right let's get it rolling. Okay. So we have comic books to discuss. We have um, some news, but I want to get into the, uh, last, excuse me, the can't miss box over at milgie comics. This is a fun product that Russ put together kind of in effort to combat the difficulties of ordering comic books monthly. He's put together a box where the stuff that most members are going to be after or should be after he's just going to be ordering them for you putting it in a box and sending it to those who subscribe now we are recommending an lcs this is not my shop this is not ryan's shop however ryan works there i do work there and um i'm a big supporter of my lcs so this is a great opportunity for members who don't have an lcs or are looking for an alternative but we always want to encourage members to go to their nearest comic shop and give them your business first Give them a second try, a third try. Give them a shot. It's a tough business. Let them make a couple mistakes.
1: We actually, I saw in the Mill Geek email the other day, one of our one of our Patreon supporters like sent an email and said like Hey, I found an LCS. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to cancel the the uh, all, my Greek, all my Mill Geek my subscriptions. And that's okay. That's when we, we replied to him. We're like, Good. Like, thank you. This is this is the idea. We're like, we want to be there for people who don't have a shop. There but it is. If slash when you do find an LCS, please support your local shops.
0: That's right. So right here, if you go to MilGeek Comics Patreon, there are two options. One is just like your standard shop support where it will get you access to a poll list that you can do your orders on. Ryan will become your poll list manager. And we also have the can't miss comics. That's fifty bucks a month. And what it's gonna get you is whatever comics they're putting in the box that particular month, which is what we will talk about here. Right here. Right now. Right sure. uh, now. some okay. of them. Uh, some of them.
1: We're still finalizing the list.
0: That's right. We are finalizing the list, and you know what I didn't do, Ryan?
1: Tom picked some. Russ picked some. I picked some. What didn't you do, Tom? Did you did you
0: not get any of the information that we need for it? No, I didn't pull up any of the pictures of it. So Ooh. I need you to stall here while I do stall. that. Stall, uh, stall, Ryan. <laughs> How do you pick your comics, Ryan? What goes into that?
1: Very, very careful perusal of the previous catalog. Perusal every single month. Oh yes. Oh,
0: yes. What kind of stuff makes you stop?
1: Perusing kind of implies a light read, but no. Careful perusing. A deep, deep, close, slow <laughs> read. <laughs> One that might work well for stalling for time, for example. <laughs> Reading the whole catalog. And for me personally, anything that involves like demons or gods or spirits, or magic. That's a no-go. I I, I skip a lot of books that have (laughs) demons and gods.
0: Which is interesting because one of the books that we're talking about today is filled with all of those things and more.
1: I'm trying to avoid that because that's also how I missed out on one of the best books last year, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I missed out on that one because it's about uh, gods and resurrection and a whole bunch of
0: supernatural stuff.
1: Rom V, excellent book. I missed out on it because
0: I'm a judgmental douche. Um can you boot Redface again? Let's keep it All rolling. Right. The first book that we're going to tell you about is this one right here. We have Radio Spaceman. All right, this is pretty cool. Um hold on one second while I bring this back so I make sure I have my notes here. I do. Okay. So we have Radio Spaceman, Mike Mignola. This is hilarious. Okay. So first off, you have a ship that crashes and lands on a mysterious planet and the surviving crew goes missing. And there's a mechanical hero, Radio Spaceman, that's called to investigate. There's more going on on this planet. He's going to uncover mysteries, monsters, and he's going to use a bunch of cool gadgets. I'm kind of getting a inspector gadget meets, you know, Mignola-esque vibes here. I'm excited to see what kind of tools that this character is going to use but what's most intriguing about this comic book that's coming out next month in march is that it was inspired throughout the what is being labeled as the viral pencil sketches that mignola did last year and kind of into the you know ending of the prior year you know what i'm talking about on his uh, was it twitter instagram all he of the a, above
1: he did, he did a bunch of like sketches
0: He did pencil sketches for donations. Like they were all sold on eBay and he was cranking out like a piece of art every single day. And what was fun about these, I think he called them COVID sketches or pandemic sketches or whatever, but the, the sales of these, the proceeds went to organizations to help like nonprofits and things like that. So it was a really classy move. And Mignola started out by doing like just things that he wanted to draw And then he was taking requests. So it went from like, yeah, yeah, draw Hellboy and Ape Sapien and, you know, things like that. And then he's like, all right, draw. someone says draw SpongeBob and Godzilla and and King Kong. So he would draw sketches of those characters. They'd get auctioned off. And then it was like, draw a monster robot with frog head. And then all of a sudden he's doing (laughs) stuff like that. But then some of these creations were just him doing it off the cuff. And one of them was this particular character, Radio Spaceman. There's no like narratives to accompany this character outside of the one that's coming out in March. But it was because so many Mignola fans dug what he was doing that what ended up happening is they would riff on his own drawings. They would ink his pencils like themselves. They would then color his pencils or color color his drawings and and make their own unique drawings. So the certain pieces of art would go further than others. And there was even a character called Zula, Queen of the Bat People. That was another character that has no narrative attached to her, just a cool drawing, a design. And it was so favored by the community that he did another one and he did another one. And then other individuals started doing their own Zulas. I went and got a Zula tattoo, kind of, you know, it was like my pandemic tattoo. And because it spoke to me. So this is one of those comics that, spawned out of this Mignola verse that he just you know is going on a creative spree. So I think it's pretty cool and this is one that people gotta be getting. Um written by Mike Mignola. We have Greg Hinkle um doing the art and we have a Mike Mignola cover clearly. And what do we have next on this list, Ryan? Ooh yes. Okay, so this is a Dark Horse comic book and this was one that I think a lot of people missed possibly because it was a comicology exclusive. Now I know of this specifically because this was one of the titles that came out alongside of Eris's comic book.
1: Right. As part of the wave of comicsology exclusive, comicsology first That's right. digital books.
0: So this right here has already come out, Comixology. However, it is now being printed and will start out um, next month with issue number one. This comic book is called
1: "We Have Demons,"
0: and this it's is issue, by... issue
1: one of three it's by the classic collaborating team Scott Snyder and Greg
0: Capullo. Hot damn! That's right. Take a look at this. Boom. Um, we have demons, and you've actually read this. But I did
1: read issue one, but it's it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, but you, you, one thing you told me, as someone who hasn't read Buffy, you're like, this is what I think Buffy was like. I've never seen Buffy before. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just terrible, Ryan. Damn it. I Ryan. know,
1: I know. I'll I'll get there someday.
0: It's it's enjoyable.
1: I know. I just have Everyone loves Buffy,
0: it. but what we do have is a a, a a girl who realizes that there is more to life than what meets the eye. Demons, angels, supernatural things exist. yeah, I was talking about demons and supernatural things and gods and stuff. this is this is a perfect example of the book, the kind of book
1: I wouldn't get, but because it was a free comicsology you know, original, and I have Comixology Unlimited, I gave this one a shot. Turned out to be pretty cool.
0: there we go. Well, considering that creative team, I don't think there is much that they can do. They're eh, pretty much on the same route that anything James Tynan does is in my book. like if James writes it, Jimmy T, if you would. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna put it on my poll list. I don't care. I don't care what it's about. I'm gonna read it. Uh, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, same thing.
1: They're a notch or two below for me. Scott Snyder is just, nah, not my not my favorite these days. But I, I, I don't did understand like, it, I did man. Like book.
0: I don't understand why you're why you're not as as being on not, Snyder not as hair, I man. am. I love me some S- Scott Snyder, and he also has an amazing sub stack that I recommend as well. But we'll get into it. Hit the subscribe button. The next one on this list is Captain Carter. This is something that I was hoping would be made after What If? And clearly right. we're getting it. This is a uh, woman out of time narrative.
1: This is a five-issue miniseries written by Jamie McKelvey with art by Marika Cresta. And when you when you see What If? when they do the, uh, the retelling of the Captain America story from Peggy Carter's perspective and she's the soldier in World War II, this kind of takes her story and revisits it the same way we did with Captain America after he gets... Thawed from the ice in the present day, we're getting that story through Peggy Carter. So this this feels like a sequel to the What If Show.
0: That's right, literally. in the synopsis is Peggy gets the super soldier serum and then gets frozen in ice and then awakens out of the ice. It's a five issue series, and I've always liked this this uh, character development that this that this character has. Like, there's a, a a lot of potential caps in the Marvel universe, but this is definitely one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. I uh, almost didn't get this book because that episode of What If was not my favorite. You didn't like it? If only because it, it was Shuma Gorath? It was so much like The First Avenger, which is you know, like your favorite Captain America movie as we previously previously discussed. It's amazing. I thought this one, this episode at least was way too close to what we already saw and it didn't it didn't branch out enough into something new enough for mm. me. Okay. But then as the show went on, it clearly did. This was just not one of my favorites but I am getting this comic, and we're putting it in the Can't Miss box.
0: Can't miss it. Okay, Um. this one looks a lot of fun. All right, so the first off, we have a creative team here that, oh, actually, mentioned Women Out of Time. Who's doing that?
1: Oh, I did already. Oh, Jim you McKellvie did? And Marika Cresta on the art.
0: Oh, perfect, perfect. Yep. Okay, so Venom Lethal Protector is the next one here, and we are actually going to be sending members a particular version of this book because it looks amazing. We have the Bill S. cover that's actually gonna be going in the box, And I am trying to that. Can we show that right here? Click
1: that, and then it'll be, nope, next. Go scroll down a bit. Uh, Nope. Oh, yeah, you got to hit the variance button up at the top, the green one. Show variance. There you go. Oh, right there, there. There. show variance.
0: And it's not there. Yeah, go down. Oh, oh that one. Oh, 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 I can see it. Ryan, thank you. Okay, so take a look we're at this comic, fam. specifically
1: choosing this variant for everybody in the Can't Miss box because this is kind of a no-brainer, at yep. least from, from Russ and I's perspective, and I think Tom would agree this is the coolest cover out of all the options you have to order for this.
0: That's right. March 23rd, we're getting Venom, Lethal Protector, and the creative team?
1: David Michelini. That's right. With art by Ivan Fiorelli.
0: And look at this, S. And this Bill is a S cover. Bill
1: S. variant cover that we are just, we're, you're getting that one. If you get the can't miss box, this is, this is the cover that you want. All right. And
0: what's going on in this one?
1: This is, I believe, an old school symbiote story. That's right. So we're going back to like the original era of the symbiote, which for somebody like Tom, we might actually be getting into this later. Somebody might appreciate a uh, more traditional
0: flavor of Venom story these days. Yeah, this is like the earliest days of Venom, which is why you actually are getting taken back there by David, because he was the one who was largely part of the. Didn't you know, he, the like origin originally? Stuff.
1: Wasn't he part of the Absolutely. original ASN team? Okay. I don't, I don't know much about that.
0: Absolutely. So that's going in there. And we also have one last one. No, we have two more. Two more here. So AWA constantly making books that Ryan is like telling me I need to read. And then I read them and I'm going, hot damn comics be good. AWA has hit me number one coming out next month. And this one just seems like a classic, you know, robbery, you know, heist type of story.
1: Yeah. What is it? This girl's like her job is she gets paid by the bruise. Is she like yeah. a man or something. Yeah. Yeah. A, a she a gets paid woman?
0: by the bruise. She kind of looks like Punchline. Without any makeup, okay. you know. I can see that
1: in head, and I had not thought just about it. Just a little
0: bit, but after she escapes, after you know, she escapes a situation with a bunch a of and, diamonds. And flees.
1: Yeah, flees with a bunch of money, with a, with a lot of money. A lot of nasty characters are kind of on her trail, so this story is about her just fleeing a life of organized crime. That's right. The uh, The comic is written by Krista Faust, who has written several other AWA books before, which I liked. She wrote uh, Bad Mother and the, like, the Western sci fi book Redemption, which was pretty cool from AWA. This is also drawn by Priscilla Petrates, who uh, did the artwork for Chariot. Chariot! Which we talked about on this channel before.
0: Chariot's really great. And that actually gives me some optimism, too, because of how great that art was in that run.
1: It was a cool book. It had a, it had a, lot, of, uh, a lot of cool flavor. And they're also doing the same cover artist from Chariot, too. This, is, this cover is done by Jeff Deckel, who's one of my uh, recent favorite cover artists.
0: All right. And then this last one by Batman artist. He's also doing Flash, isn't he? Like he's, dude, Joshua Williamson is doing a he's right ton a lot. of stuff over at DC. Um, we have a run that is being solicited as a, that, that will have major impact on the DC universe. So that right there gives me enough reason to go, this should go in the box. I'm going to have to check this out. But we have a narrative that follows Deathstroke, who kills Raz Al Ghul. Talia? No, he kills Raz Al Ghul and Talia Al Ghul. Goes after revenge. Is now hunting for Deathstroke. That's what it is. So we have Joshua Williamson on this book, which is called Shadow War Alpha. It's a one-shot. And yeah, it seems cool. It's going to tie into the
1: main Batman book that Joshua Williamson is also writing. It's got ties to Deathstroke, Inc., which is a Deathstroke Black Canary title that Joshua Williamson is also writing. So it feels like it's going to... It's like a mini event, but it's much more contained, which I'm a big fan of.
0: Contained events. Dude, I'm not as... Thing is, with this, is like Deathstroke, I'm kind of meh about. Oh, me. Big, yeah, and and Raza Go and Talia are some of my least favorite. Russ picked this one. Yeah. I was going to throw that out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I went on this one. I, I tried with Russ about this, and I'm like, yo, this one should go in there. It for makes sure.
1: sense. I just wouldn't have chosen it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, If you want to get these comics and more because the box is always evolving, comics be changing schedules. There's going to be a trade that goes
1: in here too. We're just still trying to iron out exactly which trade we want to throw in here. And there's going to be four or five additional comics that we have not quite decided on yet, but we've still got till the end of the month to figure that out. We're probably going to come back on our next show. Do the rest. Or even the next show sometime. And and yeah, do the rest of the books that are going in this box.
0: So you're not just going to be getting these ones. You're going to get some other ones too. Um, Visit Mill Comics Patreon. Grab yourself a can't-miss box if you are just tired of missing out um, on books that you just want to make sure is in your pull list. All right, moving on. All right, I, I want to I chat about... Oh, my gosh, we have so much to chat about. I love it. All right. It's a good problem to have. It's not a bad problem because we wrote some damn good comic books this week. This we did. A we um, did. We
1: did. Uh, we got a good set here.
0: Um, I want to talk about... Actually, before we do that, let's talk about Godzilla. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So we have um, a multiverse that is beginning to expand. I personally love horror movies. And then I also like disaster movies, you know, day after tomorrow, Cloverfield. If it's got a Kaiju, I'm down. If it's like a huge monster, I'm going to watch it. And the thing that I like about these movies is that they're anytime movies for me. Even if they're bad, there's some redeeming factor. And it's like really what I like to say about comics and horror movies. My favorite things are ones that I can enjoy over and over again sometimes I like a movie and I just want to watch it once. I never want to watch it again. However, I've seen Dune like five times. The new one? The new one. Yeah. I haven't watched that yet. It's really damn good. And it's got giant worms. What's up? Same with Butch. Uh, Yeah. Huge worms. He's got giant worms. No, he doesn't. My cat is clean. (laughs) He's worm free. He's worm free. I've checked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But no, but what we do have is a bunch of growth happening in the, in, in the, Godzilla multiverse, and what's cool is it multiverse the the god the monster verse so, sure. rather.
1: There's a word for it. Um,
0: but what's more important about this is that this is an example of other things that are happening because Godzilla is a mu- movie franchise. There's been a bunch of them, right? They've been successful. We just had Godzilla versus King Kong, another excellent movie. The thing with Godzilla is that there is going to be a monster verse that's going to be adapted to the screen, specifically like the Apple TV. Uh, platform, which means that they've taken the franchise from the big screen and they're going to make a series to accompany it at home. And this right here is an example of what Disney did with Marvel, what Disney did with Star Wars. And we're now seeing this happen with other franchises and the Kaiju monster verse that is about to expand has got me excited. But I think that's also a it's, it's bigger than this. You know, this is just going to be the first of many that I foresee happening because these studios don't have to put all their eggs in one basket. Right. And and hope that this one movie that largely depends on marketing, like their marketing budget is really what makes or breaks most of these movies, not even the quality of the movie itself. Now they don't have to do that. They can actually do something separate, something all year, possibly have other shows spin off from it. And tell a similar story that will then in turn market the movies that they're making at the same time better. And that's what we have with Godzilla. We have a narrative that's going to follow a family over the courts of a countryside, some, some environment that takes them outside in a world that's, being, like, that's growing with monsters. You're going to see a lot of kaijus.
1: It makes me think in general the whole the whole this whole thing wouldn't really be happening like this if it wasn't for the pandemic like shutting down movie theaters we're seeing like such a such a more intense focus on streaming services and stuff being delivered to us at home.
0: Do you think that uh, that this this transition is happening largely because of the ramifications of pa- pandemic? I think
1: about movies like like Black Widow like right Scarlett Johansson sued Disney because the profits for Black Widow were so hurt by the fact that people didn't go see it at the theater because everything was shut down and everyone watched it on streaming instead or not at all in some cases.
0: The Godzilla monsterverse that began with a 2014 film starring Brian Cranston, who, by the way, died really quick. And that's so starring Brian Cranston. Yeah, a little... that, that's how they, they marketed it back then. Yeah. Um, it continued with the Kong films, will expand to Apple TV with a live action series. So let's take you through some fun Key comics in the Godzilla run because they've been underrated for a long time. They're affordable and they started getting hot over the last two weeks because of this announcement. By the way, utilize code Tom 101 on the best comic app in existence, Key Collector Comics. Use that code, it'll, ex- it'll get you access to the app in its entirety. 95 plus percent of the app is free. Right. You can dive deep, learn about comics catalog your comic books, check out key issues, keep up on the market. However, that last like 5% is really what gives you an edge when you are doing your comic hunting, you're buying, you're selling, you're collecting, you're trading, right? And one advantage that you get from having a subscription, which I believe is like two bucks a month or twenty bucks a year. I'm I'm paying two bucks a month and every time it comes out of my account, I'm just like, oh
1: yeah, that's that's a thing I'm subscribed to, but it's two dollars. So it's like, eh, whatever.
0: But I feel wh- like I
1: should get one for free. You know, you should. I am right? surprised is, that you don't have it for free, right?
0: <laughs> you know, we're an affiliate right. Exactly. Nick, where are you at? No, but well, we- it's two
1: dollars. So it's like who cares? It doesn't matter.
0: So for two for bucks though, one of the things that you get is access to key alerts. And this is a key alert. This is what it looks like on the screen. Um, you get notified that, hey, something's happening. That's why there's an alert right here. And the Monsterverse is expanding. Thus, take a look at some comic books. All right, so first one I want to show the community is this Life with Archie. So this is issue number 41. And on the inside of this, for the first time in the 60s, we have a 12 center. This is Silver Age. We have the first time drawn in comic style, Godzilla. And it also features Mothra as well. Cool. Classic character, rather classic monster um, in the Godzilla universe. So take a look at this $80 highs. You can get the first appearance of Godzilla, although he's unnamed. It's clearly him um, in a comic book that was inspired by Godzilla versus the thing in 1964 battling mantra mantra. So let's keep it rolling here because we have the Marvel classic issue number one. This is the book that spiked recently on the trending list with Russ Bright, uh, our Overstreet Price Guide Advisor. This one shot up on the list because this is really everyone's go-to. You know, if, if Godzilla's, if something's happening in the Godzillaverse, we got to get Godzilla 1 through Marvel. And clearly it's because this is his first solo series. It's a Marvel title, King of the Monsters, et cetera.
1: I've got a Reptar shirt that homages this exact cover too.
0: Absolutely. should have worn that today. And keep in mind, too, this is like the third or fourth time that we've had um, Godzilla spike in the community. And it started with the anime Godzilla back in October 2020. It kept going with the live-action adaptation. And, you know, that, that would be on the screen, Kong and things like that. And then we have this new Apple TV announcement that brought this book right back up. It floats between 40 and $80 constantly, and there's not, you can't say that about every key comic book. That still seems
1: really low for something this, you know, sought after and I would say important. Right. Especially in the Marvel Universe. Like, I learned a lot prepping for this segment, but I didn't realize Godzilla in the Marvel Universe crossed over with Marvel
0: characters. There we go. So, issue number 2. This one's cool. I had to bring it on the screen here because this one is under 20 bucks. Features Godzilla taking out the Space Needle. That's right. Godzilla is literally in Seattle, Hits under a siege. Home, Dude, we're you know, like 40 minutes away from the damn Space we Needle. We could watch this happen. Ryan, how often do you visit the Space Needle because whenever whenever I have someone come up here, they're like, oh, we got to go to Seattle and hit all the spots, right? And yeah. they are talking Pike Place. We're talking the Space Needle. Pike Place is cool. EMP, you know. They're, they're, there's a lot of really fun places. How often? Space
1: Needle's a little over. over.
0: Height. How many times have you gone to the Space Needle? Twice. I think I've gone three times. And each time it was like I was with other people. Yeah. They're like, oh, we want to go. I'm like, all right, I guess we're going up there. Yep. You know? I've eaten in the restaurant
1: two times, one of, one of which I was like the two-year-old kid or something. I don't remember it. Right. But second time it was a date and it was just like. You're paying a lot for the experience.
0: Food's fine. It's, it's expensive. Brain. Um one cool thing about the Space Needle a lot of people don't know is that it actually rotates. It Cause does. It, it used to be a ride. The Seattle Fair back in the what was it? 60s. 60s I think. It was a ride that they then like reinforced and made into a monument in Seattle. But the 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 tip of the Space Needle, if you sit at like one of the the dinner tables or oh, whatever because yeah. it's a restaurant up there, it rotates and within like a certain we were know, there like for, an hour or we something. We
1: were there for over an hour and I think it, Full it, rotation. it rotated a little more than one time while we were there. So it's not like it's, but it does, it does spin very slowly. Is so that what you
0: say when you go on a merry-go-round? Wee!
1: Wee! Know, like a, like a drunk college girl.
0: There we go. So we got Godzilla two, um, featuring the space needle. What's up? Let's keep it rolling. Um, again, as I said, under 20 bucks and who did the cover? I can never pronounce his name, man. Or Trumpy? Sure. Yeah, there you go. Um, We have... Before my time. Godzilla, issue two, space needle cover, uh, very affordable. Now, there are two other books from the Godzilla run that I want to highlight here. We have Godzilla 23 and 24. 23 has the Avengers on the cover because, yes, this is Avengers versus Godzilla, this is one of the more expensive keys of the Godzilla run, but it doesn't stop there because it's a two-parter where they get the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, and S.H.I.E.L.D. to get involved with the takedown of this mammoth. That would have been so cool to see on screen. Like, if they, if they I could have made this a movie instead they just of, went, like, Ultron. They just go all out right? Avengers versus Godzilla.
1: That'd be, oh, that'd be fun.
0: Like, how cool this cover is, though. Yeah. Right? See, I
1: didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know they don't. Del- I thought Godzilla was just its own kind of standalone thing, like Star Wars.
0: That'd
1: be like Darth Vader versus the Avengers. Like-
0: not, not any of the Marvel books. Like the Marvel comics, especially when they were trying to gain hype. I mean, we're talking twenty issues in here. This is likely when sales weren't at their best. How what, how do you get these comics to spike a little bit and get interested? Put Wolverine get, in it, uh, specifically Thor. You know, and Iron Man and and Vision characters that you would have bought otherwise. But now they're on a different comic. I'll jump in. I'll see. You know, I want to check them out. I want to see what it's like them battling a kaiju. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. But here's, this is where actually gets pretty fun. So in a comic book, Monster Madness number two in 1973, this is OG. Okay. This is an old comic book. 73, right? On the inside of this book, there are panels of Godzilla versus King Kong. Now this is a major moment in cinema, major moment for both characters. However... This right here is a, it also has Stan Lee on the interior, right? But the pictures are actually stills from the movie. So although this is a comic that features Godzilla versus King King Kong on the interior, it is literally pictures. It's not drawn comic art. So that means the key significance is still yet to have been released yet. By the way, Monster Madness goes for 10 bucks. However, we do have another comic book for you to look at. Caliber. That's right. Caliber, you know him from debuting a ton of independent comic books. They were more mature. The Crow, for example. Negative Burn. This comic book, issue number 30 actually showcases both of the characters on the interior. And this one right here is the first published King Kong versus Godzilla battle that is not a photograph. So this is a $7 book that no one knows. And it's these types of random keys that I love because this is the kind of thing that someone's going to try to secure a near mint and you can get it for under $10, get it graded and you'll have like one of the very few ones out
1: there. Right. And who would think that this would be in here? Like I look at this book and think it's some kind of robot lady getting it, you know, a (laughs) permit. I don't think this has anything to do
0: with that. That's how it goes, man. That's how it goes. Comic fam, hit that like, slap the subscribe button. The Godzilla versus expanding. And I like to think, I'm you know, I'm still not
1: going to get Apple TV.
0: I don't have Apple TV, but I'm right. Nate Johnson told me I should get it.
1: Everyone's all about they Ted Lasso, it. Ted Lasso, John. But I, <laughs> I, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an Apple person.
0: Well, I may have to grab it because I'm a big Godzilla fan. And that's right? how they get you in, man. They give you the, the franchise someday. you want. Dude, I have Peacock because I wanted to watch The Office. Yeah. But now I love Peacock. There's a lot of great shows on there. Parks and Rec is on Peacock now.
1: Okay.
0: That's how it goes, my brother.
1: seen it twice. I'm good. Same with the office. I don't need to watch that again. Oh, my gosh. Because it's trapped. Okay, here we go.
0: <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. Uh, um, we have comic books to discuss. We read a bunch of stuff this week, man. We did. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be impossible to go through it all. Is that a hint? <laughs> That's a hint, right? All right. I want to talk about Echo Lands first. What do you think? I'm down. Is that cool? I'm down with whatever we do first. I like we have, read, I liked reading all these. Okay, Comic Fam, hit the like, stop the subscribe. We read comics. Um, we read a bunch of them. And then we come to the mic and chat with you about it. So this next comic book, I wrote a note about these narratives. Something, something spicy for the mic. I'm trying to like, what's the theme of our conversation? Because we don't always go too deep into the comics because we don't want to spoil it. Right. But we also want to talk positively about the work when we can. Uh, we kind of focus in on the good a lot on these, on these shows. This right here, I think we've possibly found something that could be looked at as worse than digital comics. Okay, can you can you help me out here? What what, what i was what saying? About,
1: I was just about to ask you to help me out here because I,
0: I love digital comics. Okay, so, okay. First off, I don't I don't mind digital comics, but there is a narrative in the community. Sure, there is conversations about Nobody digital. Likes digital, yeah, it's always floppies versus digital, right? Sure. And I'm over here going, I like reading graphics, so like it's okay. Like, Omnis are that's, that's my favorite way to consume, but Same. I love floppies. I don't mind reading digital comics. And can we not call them floppies? Is that a thing?
1: Is that weird? Can we just stop? The word just makes me associate with other things. It just kind of give me, you know, <laughs> gives it, gives it, does it make floppies, you floppies. it just sounds like a dead fish,
0: a, a dead fish,
1: you know, just flopping around, like <laughs> you know, plus it implies you're not really taking care of the book. If you're, if it's floppy, if it's you floppy just well, okay, what's it a better way to I say it them then single issues. It's a pain. It's I a want one syllables. word,
0: digital Flappies. single issues. It's two sure. words. I need something. I need one mm. word. We'll figure that out. Give me a different word, Ryan. Tom
1: will pay you a million dollars. A million in the comments with a better word than floppies.
0: Well, I'm going to say floppy throughout this conversation. Please say it extensively. Okay. Flopping around. Okay, so you have your digital comics, you <sighs> have your floppies, and you have different ways of reading. But I think I found the opposite of digital. Because if you have digital on one end of the spectrum, where hold on, where's my screen here? You have digital. Oh, I have a tiny screen. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. You so this is digital. One end of the spectrum. Okay. Oh, it's a reverse too. Oh my gosh. So digital's over here. A lot of people believe that floppies are over here. Sure. Single comics for Ryan. Thank you. Okay. But I think I found something that's even further back from floppies. From single issues. Landscape comic books. Are landscape comic books the antagonist to digital comics? And I think that is the case.
1: uh, You make a good point. Like, I'm a big fan of buying things digitally and, and ditching the floppies getting rid of the single issues because they're my least favorite way to read a comic. Echo I worry, Lands. I worry about damaging them.
0: Echo Lands explain what a what a uh, You got the you got the Explain what right? it let's,
1: is. Let's let's show let's show the cover. This is a book that is
0: horizontal. That's right. There we go. Look at this. The whole book, you should open this up, man. I want to see I want to see get the crazy co- crazy the comic film actually has to see one. these here.
1: This one, you kind of have to... I've, I've tried talking about this at the shop and explaining it to people, and nobody really bites when I try to describe it, because this is a hard book to sell. It's
0: a weird book, but, but I think it's an important book.
1: I'll hold up some other comic. There you I'm go. Spoil Grab don't that Reggie about. book. But here is the Reggie Collects Guide to Comic Collecting. It's shaped like any normal comic book. Right. staples over here, and it opens that way. Shout out Shortbox. There you go. Echo lands has the staples on the short side and it opens long ways.
0: <laughs> long ways. Which
1: does not even really here, show up well on camera.
0: Let's see. Grab that side, I'll grab the side. Let's see if we can actually get something interesting here. Can we both hold it at the same time? Not on camera. But there you go. No, I have to do it like this and you have to do it like that. Make yours closer to the camera. There we go. So see most <laughs> of the time we can't do this with a comic book on screen, Comic Fan, but that's because it is a piece of art. Okay, so, um, creative team, let's go through it. Why is this an important book? Because even James Tynan or Jimmy T, as Ryan has now dubbed him, he recommended this in his newsletter. He did. G- but James I'm reading, is I'm down reading
1: his old newsletters, and this this book came out in like October or something. I
0: love it when creators are like, yo, I have all these books that I'm doing right now. I, you, oh, I'm, man, I'm, you are <laughs>
1: flopping this book around. It is a floppy single issue. I'm so
0: used to just treating my reading books <laughs> like <laughs> <crap>. <laughs> I mean,
1: I'm over here handing him my Equilands number one, and I'm just like
0: <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So James is like hyping all of these books and then side note goes, Oh, by the way, go read Equilands. <laughs> like he he loves his book. Yeah, it's it's lovable. All right, but not in a not in a way that I expect. Okay, so talk to me about um, the creative team because this is the this is a run that we actually covered like the preview of it months ago. Back when we used to do
1: a segment called about the previews guide, focusing on books that are about to come out that we think look cool. We right. highlighted this book and said, "I think this looks cool. I'm excited to read this in three months when it's released." Um, this is written by JH Williams and W Hayden Blackman. They are co writers, and JH Williams the third, does the artwork as well as co-writes.
0: And hot damn does he do the artwork. This thing must take him eons to create because this is essentially double-page spreads the entire issue.
1: Yeah, they really lean heavily into the uh, landscape format with this book.
0: All right, so we have this um, amazing creative team. Dave freaking Stewart on the colors. Dude goes on a coloring spree in this comic. It is outstanding. But... As far as narrative goes, not really my thing personally. I, I don't disagree. It's kind of a confusing story, it is man. It's very
1: confusing, and I think they want it to be. I think it's supposed to not make much sense, especially right at the, right out the gate.
0: But this is what you're hit with. It's this so is the much the
1: first thing you see with the second you turn past the credits. This is this is the image you are you are greeted with.
0: This is page one comic fam.
1: Right away you are you are just kind of thrown in the deep end and you realize like I'm getting into something here. This is this might be a mistake. I should probably close this book and leave.
0: Yeah. It, what's going on here? Like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to follow, but damn, it is, it, it's captivating. You
1: can see even in, can you zoom in a little bit? Yeah. You can see even in the top left here, an example of the different artwork styles. The, uh, this is like a flashback to our main character, Hope Red Hood. And you can see the fairy tale world that she kind of comes from that cottage in the background and the tree in the forest that looks exactly like, like a snow white, like a cartoon, like, a, right. It's got this Disney sort of feel to it.
0: Excellent use of mixed media.
1: Right. This page is confusing because it is it is it is simultaneously a flashback and a flash forward showing what will happen I believe at the end of the story or maybe at the end of the story arc. I'm not sure exactly. We still have not gotten to this point in the story. But this is a flashback and a flash forward. And then you turn the page and it gets into the this yeah. wacky present day stuff which is a trip.
0: Dude, this comic book is Worth reading just for the art, and I seldomly say that. Right, same. You know, like typically, if the if the narrative is something that I'm just not digging, i'm not vibing with it, then holy smokes, then we have this the opposite. Like, I don't necessarily care what's going on that much, and really, it's it's not my favorite thing. It's fantasy meets sci-fi. There is a, I think that's kind of the point.
1: There is a serious mashup of genres happening and you can even see it right here on the far left on this panel there's like like we were saying before with the fairy tale stuff this is a it appears to be like a mishmash of a bunch of different types of stories like you can see this black and white zombie and frank or vampire and frankenstein looking characters down here there is a very cartoony guy right there over frankenstein's shoulder there's some realistic looking shopkeeper over here on the left there's a kaiju looking monster and this is clearly all taking, pra- all taking place in the actual wharf of San Francisco, which is a, a real place. So there's like all kinds of, I don't know, it's, it's, this is just a, you can spend like minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes just staring at each, each page.
0: It actually feels rather short, but the amount of time you have to spend on each individual two-page spread, right. it makes up for that. And as long as throughout it, you're able to kind of figure out where they're trying to take you sequentially, you get lost in it like a standard comic book. However, digitally, this, this would is, be near impossible. It's near
1: impossible even to show right here as we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, it. You like, have to I, zoom I, in and look ar- and move the camera around and like when you have this in a physical comic book, you can you can hold it open and read it pretty clearly. But digital yeah. reading of this is going to be a nightmare, and I, I don't look forward to it.
0: But the art itself is it's just stunning. It's spectacular. And it's something that I feel like this is a comic that needs to be on your pull list just because it's a special moment in comic books. Like this is something. That is so different and it feels so different. And the experience is different that y- you got to give it your time. I've tried explaining it to
1: people. And, and I, whenever I mentioned that it's sideways, most people go, oh, like the nineties. And mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Cause this is the first time I've seen a comic book tell sideways stories, but I've Probably, never like I don't Calvin any, and
0: Hobbes kind of thing. You know,
1: it's got that same format, but Calvin and Hobbes never, <laughs> nah, <laughs> never no, leaned wasn't. into like two page spreads like this to fully utilize the, the length of the, of the panels here.
0: Yeah, we have some really cool character designs, and overall, just in general, different characters altogether. together. You know, you mentioned it, you know, we have some cartoony characters, we have mixed media where it looks like photorealism's getting, you know, taken over, but we have like monsters and elves and werewolves and wizards and vampires, and then kaijus, there's a, actually, let me, let me bring it back up, I wonder if I got the Jack Kirby-esque page in I here. I hope so,
1: because yeah, there's, there's yeah, yeah look at this, this guy is-
0: then also, you have, like, what, Icarus? Like, this is straight-up Kirby that's right here.
1: Super Kirby. But then even directly over his shoulder, you got this, like, like werewolf-looking guy. Yeah, it's two classic art styles in comic books, but side-by-side. Side. And they shouldn't go together, but they do. And that's part of the, the trippy fun of this comic.
0: Yeah, I definitely recommend this. And, you know, in a nutshell... How
1: do you describe the story in, like, it's, one it's sense, It's
0: uh fellowship of the gem. It's <laughs> your boy, Jim Mint? This you girl, know?
1: this girl, Hope Red Hood, steals like a gem from the wizard who was like the evil dictator of this of this fantasy land. And, and the
0: he's... fantasy land is is our Earth, San Francisco.
1: Sure, but it, it clearly it has but it's all like these the... weird things mishmashed into it. They haven't explained the nature of the world very well, and like she's being, they're all being, her and all her friends are being chased by agents of of this you know this bad wizard emperor guy. And that's yeah, and, really all the story you get.
0: Yeah. And, I mean I've, I've only I think there's 6 issues out. I've read through I think issue 4 or 5 and I've read 5 out of 6. I don't have number 6 yet. And thats that's all that's happened. Is is mostly just a getaway, you know, we have a thief who is having to work with her team that aren't getting along, but if they work together, they can achieve the goal kind of thing. It's this, almost
1: like you're not see, you're not seeing a lot of new stuff in the narrative. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes this book cool is the way the story is told. So you've got the horizontal format. The artwork is bananas. Awesome. But then, at the end of every issue, there is a whole bunch of stuff going on in the back of the comic that I think deserves uh, a special shout out too. I
0: have to know: is the community reading Echo Lands? What are your thoughts? What do you think about the art? And what are your thoughts on the horizontal aspect of this book? You know, reading it in this type of way. One of the things you mentioned that I thought was just something I didn't think about is like this is a hardcover. Can't I do not like that it's style? It's
1: going to sit on a. Sh- it's going to be hanging off a shelf. Like very awkwardly.
0: But you know what? This you don't go into making this type of project happen if you cared about something like that. You know, if you cared about how it's gonna look like on your phone. You it's know the reason I, mean? I
1: don't have three hundred in a hardcover, because that also hangs out. It's, it's not a horizontal book like this, but it's shaped so it's shaped awkwardly. Weird. And I, I I have that on, on comicology, unfortunately.
0: All right. Going on to another comic book. Hit the like, slap the subscribe button, comic fam. We're talking comic books that we'd be reading and Ah, uh, Bruce tough. Wayne is dead. Yeah, Batman's dead, kind of, not really. But we have a new Batman. We have I Am Batman issue number one, and it feels like a long time coming. I feel like this character has been introduced more than once. Yes, and we've just begun his narrative, but we've been talking about Mister Fox for quite some time.
1: Yeah, that's one of the
0: reasons I don't think this book has caught on
1: uh, like it should. Like it should have by now. There have been multiple starting points for this character in this world. And unfortunately, this current I Am Batman series is not really the best. Eh. It is and it isn't the best place to jump onto this character and this, and this storyline. So right out the gate, it's a little more confusing
0: and not new reader friendly as it should be. Correct. You know, some, why don't we take it back a couple steps? Because how do you even get here? Because I don't think that this is the intention. I thought this was supposed to be our new Batman like officially. And right. it doesn't seem like that's the direction that they're going. To really explain this
1: book, you got to rewind and look at Let's the f- go back to 5G. The 5G. Let's plan. talk about that. Okay. That was a publishing an entire an entire DC project that they were working on behind the scenes over at DC to kind of like stop everything, kind of new 52 style and restart at least to the main characters in the DC universe, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, restart them with new people. Not Bruce Wayne, not Diana, not Clark Kent. New characters
0: as these heroes. Completely fresh, new takes. A lot of people, were not they weren't digging it. They're like, ah, again, DC. But, you know, people at play were like, no, let's do this. I believe even James Tynan mm-hmm. was mentioning about how during his run of writing, that he was being told that what he does doesn't really matter because they're gonna plan on redoing everything anyways.
1: That was that was what they told him. Yeah, while he was while he was writing his Batman run, like you do what you want, but we're
0: gonna you know none of this is really gonna matter. So we had characters like uh, New Wonder Woman, Yara Flores,
1: Yara Floor. Yeah, these these characters Flor. were were introduced, and then when 5G kind of fell apart, it's like they took these elements and kind of. Repurposed them for future state, which is kind of what 5G morphed into. Mm-hmm. It was last, Fe- it was like a year ago at this point. Yeah, last February when the whole all DC comics went on pause and told future state stories.
0: They didn't and go that far into the future, did they?
1: In retrospect, no. It was like we saw a lot of the future state stuff happen in the main Batman story like several months later. So it wasn't really, it wasn't like Batman beyond future state. Right. Like it was very, very near future.
0: So then, now we have a new Batman, and clearly intentions were different because those who were at DC are no longer working there who are going to do this 5G decision. Sure. But they retained some of the characters, gave them their own narratives, and now we have a new Batman. Correct.
1: And you can kind of see like there is a new Superman, right? Jonathan Kent is mm-hmm. now super, Superman. Which is a really good comic. We should talk about that soon. Yeah, we should do that one too. Uh, Yara Floor was Wonder Girl for a while. That series just got canceled this last month, actually, with seven issues. I'm hoping she sticks around because she was a really cool character. But then we also have Jace Fox as the next Batman, which is one of the the Future State books.
0: Yeah, Lucius Fox's son.
1: Correct, his younger son. And there have been several. Like, you have the next Batman, which is a four-issue Future State series. And then after that, there was a four-issue series called Next Batman's Second Son and then that led into I yes. Am Batman.
0: So we've gotten like a handful of narratives about this character without him really going all in yet.
1: Right. This is the first ongoing. Right. So it's like the, I don't want to say it's the best jumping on point because I do think to really fully understand this, you at least need to go back and read Next Batman's Second Son, if mm-hmm. not the future state stories. But it's overly complicated, which is one of the
0: reasons I don't like superhero comics as there much. You go. Yeah, they're, kind of, they're most definitely complicated up until this run, which is actually pretty simple.
1: And I think that's part of why this is a really cool book. I really, I I really like this run because it strips down. He directly addresses a lot of the problems that Batman had when he was still in charge and how Batman wasted a lot of his time from Jace Fox's perspective. Batman, Bruce Wayne, wasted time fighting big villains and running around on the rooftops and ignoring the people on the street who were really suffering.
0: Right. We have, uh, oh, who's writing this?
1: This is written by John Ridley. Yeah, John Ridley, of course. They and always advertise him as Academy Award winning writer, John Ridley.
0: So, the thing with this one that I was a little uh, disappointed with was that we have um, Olivier Coppel. Is that how you yes. say his name? I always mess that He's up. done a variant for us, hasn't he? We, 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 I, did, yeah, mistaken? we did. We did a Spider Woman variant.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. CoIPL, he's French. Yeah, he's French. French. Olivier CoIPL. I'm saying that probably so, wrong, but whatever. So, he's this cool. issue
0: one, I was so hyped because, right. comic fam, look at this Batman. He's sleek. He he just he draws Batman so damn. well. He draws well. the
1: city really well, too. I, I the lighting, everything. Yeah. Look at this.
0: Oof. It's, it's a gorgeous comic. Got to zoom in a little bit on something. But here's things. the thing, man. The, every other issue is a different artist, and I am not a fan of that. And
1: that's the problem with this book. This run so far, it started with I Am Batman issue zero, which is relatively soon after Future State.
0: Which, by the way, has some of the worst art in it of all the issues.
1: Number zero, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. That's not my favorite. It looked
0: undone. It looked like it wasn't finished.
1: Right. A little undercooked. Yep. And then it goes into Olivia Coypel doing issue one here. And you look at this Batman. It's a great design.
0: Hot damn. That's what I'm talking about. He's got, a, um,
1: he's got a face mask covering the, the mouth of his of his visor. So it serves a dual purpose. So you can't really tell this is a different Batman under here because he is a different skin color. But also this is after a poison gas attack on Arkham Asylum that killed all the inmates, most of the doctors. So people in the city are kind of all wearing masks, which is a interesting commentary on the real world.
0: Correct. Actually, I have a really fun um, yeah. shot. I believe this was an issue, too, where he's taken out a person who's just got done committing some crime and he's realizing the, 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 the person who just committed the crime is realizing that he's dealing with a different Batman.
1: Cause people think Bruce Wayne is dead. Yeah. He's like, so who,
0: who the heck is this? You know, it's like, it can't be you. And sure enough, he, he removes that cowl to show. like, yeah, I am a different Batman. Do
1: I look like the Batman? <laughs> That's so cool, dude. It's badass. Yeah it's, yeah, it's scary. He's got a he's got a much rougher kind of fighting style, and he he's more he, savage, dude. He's got these like batons that are in his gloves that we I don't think we touched on yet. Right there. Yeah, they shoot out of his out of his gauntlets, and he just box people with them in the head all the time, and it's like it looks a lot more painful than than oh, yeah. uh, what we're used to with Batman.
0: Well, he. Beats people down. And there's a couple differences that I wanted to point out um, that this Batman did in the first few issues that made me really enjoy this, which is why I'm going to keep on reading it. The first thing is that he addresses the tech, the use of technology as something that's going to put him in danger because Batman has all this tech, all this money, you know, he can make whatever he wants. Right. But in with the concern that he'll be tracked with that tech, he fills his utility belt up, not with like gadgets or things like that, or trackers. He has like burner phones. That's it. Yeah. He doesn't want to have anything that could be tracked by the government. You know, he's like he's really he's very really smart, but also it puts him at a disadvantage where he doesn't have all the all the abil- all the abilities and all the technology that Batman typically no, relies. No on.
1: grappling gun or batarangs or anything like that. He's just got martial arts skills and these awesome batons that he smacks people around with.
0: And he actually addresses the. The Gatling gun. He he specifically gets one and is like, what am I going to do with this? And instead of using it to swing around, he actually uses it to like hit someone with it. He just shoots it at someone because it's like he doesn't know how to use this thing. So I like seeing the differences between him and, the, and Bruce Wayne Batman, but also at the end of one of these issues where he takes out a handful of villains, he sticks around to talk to the police. Right. And the first thing the police say is like, this is weird. Why are you here? And he's like, what do you mean? Why am I here? He's (laughs) like, cause Batman just like, he dips in and he dips out. He takes out the guys and he's not here to talk to us. Like what's going on? He goes like, I know I'm here to build a relationship with you guys. I'm here for you. We're on the same side. So it's cool to see him really giving his all to make things right with the community. He's like, I'm here for you, the people. And then he leaves. And then he <laughs> <But> leaves.
1: <laughs> at the end of issue
0: five, he makes the decision to leave Gotham City for New York. Uh, and, I, and that's right there. It's like, you know, did we just... The, question for you. Right. I didn't dislike the Fierce State tie-in. Because mm-hmm. this comic happened at a time where issues like, what, two? Right. Boom. Fierce State now. You're in a tie-in comic Right, when book. you're getting
1: used to everything. Yeah, there's a, there's a tie-in issue. I liked it. I, actually, I didn't
0: mind it but I feel like this was supposed to be like a year one type of comic book.
1: Right, and it's, it's, it's a very loose Fear State tie-in that kind of involves a siege on a police station where his mom is a lawyer talking to somebody in the police station who, they're trying, who this gang is trying to like attack the station and get this guy out of there. So his mom is in danger, so there's a little bit of personal drama. It's not a necessary tie-in to, to Fear State by any means, but I think it worked. I really, I really enjoyed that story, but I am excited to see... Where they go starting in issue six now that he is off on his own turf doing his own thing.
0: It's my favorite thing. The fact that he is leaving to go to another city, he's going to start his own journey as Batman. I feel like we're now, it's, it's like,
1: oh. Because he but specifically they, said, like, what, as long as I'm in Gotham, I'm the other Batman. Yes. I'm, I'm a secondary so he's gotta guy. He's got to go with, be his
0: own Batman. Right. It's, it's, it's an interesting uh, launching point, I think. But you just said it, though. How many launching points does this Batman need? This is going to be number four. At this point, yeah. Even though it's issue six <laughs> of the current ongoing run, it's it feels like a new it's, number one already. I feel like we're... Yeah, they could restart it again, and go, it makes sense that they're restarting it, but damn. It's almost like this whole 5G thing is complicated, and they should have canceled <laughs> it, you know? They should have canceled it a while ago, comic fam. We're talking about comic books. Hit the like, slap the subscribe. Let's chat about something impossible. Let's talk about Impossible Jones. This comic book came out through Scout Comics, and we have a great creative team as I've mentioned multiple times, but this particular writer is very special. Who is he? Impossible girl, impossible Jones. Keep wanting to say impossible girl, because I'm thinking a plastic man. I will get to that co- that comparison here in a second. We have Kessel, we have Han and Kessel is the creator of King shark. Also wrote um, Harley Quinn, a bunch of DC stuff. Daredevil is even written. And This right here is essentially what if Dr. Manhattan was a sexy plastic man in parentheses woman? That's right. We have Impossible Jones. You know what's cool about Plastic Man is that this is a character that was a thief that gets his superpowers in a superhero type of way. And then after the fact is like, you know, I'm going to fight the good fight. Right. But he has got these like a little bit of antihero. Uh tendencies it doesn't really make sense though you know like when you really think about it if you were a criminal and then you get powers just by happenstance you, you happen to survive right what would make you want to go good? i'm gonna be a good guy now why
1: like yeah that doesn't you know? seem plausible
0: if anything you just You've got powers now. you to be a better criminal. you kind of be a better criminal. And that's right. what we have in Impossible Jones. Scout Comics actually picked this up, and this was a Kickstarter success. And we have issues one through three that are currently out. Issue four comes out next week. We're only going to talk about the first couple because this is something I think everybody who likes superhero comics is going to enjoy.
1: We've talked about a couple of new superhero universes lately, and this book was uh, a very pleasant surprise. I was not uh, ex- expecting much honestly. I don't have the best track record with trying brand new super like this is this isn't just a new character. This is a whole universe that you get thrown into. There's a lot of side characters and villains and stuff thrown at you right in issue 1.
0: Can you tell that we have like a we have someone who's been writing comic books for a while, but
1: it's it's done so well that it's like so smooth I was, I was really blown away with this comic actually like the 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 humor and the vibe all throughout here it, Even in this first page you get a very I got a very uh, Batman animated series vibe from this.
0: Oh, man There's like a hint of be universe I'm even getting like a low-key hint of Mike Allred, Laura Allred vibes in the style lies okay. characters the the color use the shading the lighting but specifically, the world building is really what drives this book home and the comedy and just characters in general. We have a lot of really fun superheroes. That I can all see having their own side issues, like their own one shots, their own spinoffs because sure. they're so captivating. So here we go. We have Impossible Jones. And this
1: villain here is named Holly Days.
0: Holly Days right She's there. Like a, she
1: gives me Harley Quinn vibes for sure. And once you mentioned, you told me that this was a writer who has also worked on Harley Quinn before that like, yeah. kind of made a whole bunch of these pieces click into place for me, this this feels very, very similar to a to a zany kind of Harley-esque personality.
0: He actually said that he wanted to draw or excuse me, he wanted to write a superhero who was a mix between Harley Quinn and Plastic Man. Oh.
1: Well, so okay.
0: so there we go. There you go. But specifically he didn't want to make her too Harley Quinn, so she so he made holiday holidays. Right. It's kind of like the more of this Harley first issue. Quinn. Yeah. So um, what we'll walk you through is that Impossible Jones is considered a superhero in this world. Right. She's a newer superhero. However, at heart, she's a thief. And she wants to keep this guise up. Like, it's almost like a perfect cover for her to continue being a thief. Yeah. Because people you know,
1: don't suspect her.
0: And what we see here is her trying to <laughs> steal back something that Holidays, the villain, has just stolen.
1: Um, Can you zoom in on this panel with the guns down here? Because this was the first time I so like, laughed. This
0: is, the f- this is like what you see first. You see our hero getting shot. In the, in the chest, not going through her, bouncing through her and out of her, s- similar to what you would... you know, like Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic, Fantastic right? Yeah. Plastic she's got, Man. She's
1: got stretchy powers.
0: Yes, yeah, stretchy powers. But not just that. She, <laughs> she's she turns got her these, hands into guns. She turns her hands into fist guns and just knocks these characters out, right? It's cute. So it's funny. It's, it's funny. It's cute. But... It's also mature. There's a there's enough, the
1: mask in a way too. A
0: little bit. Oh, that's a good point. There yeah. is a good amount of like dark horse mask in here too. So in the getaway, during the getaway, we have Impossible Jones taking out her slingshot and just taking her out. So she's got a handful of powers that it spans a spectrum here. She can stretch. She can deflect bullets. She can, you know, create guns out of herself but she also can shoot slingshots like it's a gun I mean I just assume
1: she made rubber gun shapes out of her hands and like oh maybe that's no what it is yeah yeah, and yeah kind of like punches blue beetle ask type of thing right and I love how Holly Days has uh, rockets on the bottom of her like ice skates right, right? it's yeah. just a weird touch that I that I appreciate
0: so one thing here that's fun about the character is that when she takes out Holly, Holly Days she tells her hey you know just stay on the down low a little bit let don't make too much noise. Like, don't, he's telling her stay out of trouble for a little bit. Because in the event that she causes more trouble, to keep up this superhero persona, she's gonna actually have to take her in to the authorities. But she's gonna choose not to do it in this moment and instead say, we should go get some drinks.
1: Yeah. Because, like, you know, a- I don't
0: really have any friends to talk to. So clearly, Impossible Jones is a villain. She's an anti hero at best, but. Because she has to keep up the superhero personality, she's going to do what has to be done because it's to her advantage that the community, the society, thinks of her as a savior, as a person that's going to protect them. I just had a lot of fun with this. She's trying to steal stuff, comic fam. It, it's it also kind of reminds me of
1: uh, Marjorie Finnegan from, yeah. from AWA in that way too, like someone who's but just but very different.
0: Fun.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not as strange and gross as that comic turned out to be. But
0: but I did call her Doctor Manhattan for a reason because we do have an origin story that takes place in issue number one where her and her crew are you know they were going through doing a robbery and she gets locked in this. <laughs> machine that can does this happen. Yeah. Like she gets locked in and then the machine gets turned on and it's, this is, this is Dr. Manhattan. This is Dr. Manhattan's origin story. Right. You know, like this is literally how it happens. So this is how she becomes like this Mr. Fantastic S type of character. Did you get that cool panel where she like
1: reappears and falls into all the, all the pipes or something underneath. And she's just a big rubbery mess.
0: Did I right there? You did. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That was fun. So she, this is her realizing that she has superpowers, but as mentioned, it's not just about this one particular character. We have a bunch of other superheroes in this comic book that all oh, have yeah. such distinct personalities, um, comedic timing, and designs themselves that... This is I'm, just
1: fun to read. It like, makes it so I damn fun. I not say that
0: enough. Just, I was so excited this to guy, read this guy, This comic.
1: guy, Even Steven, I really I really like.
0: His name is Even Steven.
1: How cool is that? Exactly. Half and half on both sides. And also the point where he, you can tell by reading his dialogue, too, that he's got some kind of... Mental (laughs) hang-up. He's
0: like Mr. A, like Ditko Mr. A, or Rorschach a little bit. You know, he's he's like, please say my full name, because they call him Steven. And he's like, no, no, it's Even Steven. Say my full name. We we need to deal with each other equally. He
1: calls this guy Captain Lightning, and he wants to be called Even Steven in return. Like, you can't just call me one name. I need both, because I called you. Captain Lightning, and you call me Even-Steven. It's got to be two and two and even on both sides. Otherwise, this is not going to work.
0: <laughs> and he just
1: he keeps, he keeps bringing it up, and it's like, okay, this is funny. I some,
0: that. Yeah, it's just like this weird uh, quirk that this guy has, and I really dig it. But seldomly do you get introduced to so many characters in a comic book in a fresh world, superheroes nonetheless, and find a liking to so many of them right out the gate.
1: Right, usually this kind of thing would irritate me or bug me or make me roll my eyes, and it didn't. I was I was pleasantly surprised with this run.
0: Comic fam, Impossible Jones, put it on your poll list. You're going to be excited. Issue two was fantastic, and the story has just begun. And really, when you have such a great writer on the on the comic, it's no surprise. And it's by Scout Comics, no surprise. Can All right, win. Hit the like, slap the subscribe. We got our last book here to talk about. And then we're going to hit you with some crazy, breaking comic news that I'm still stunned about that took place that has virtually no coverage on, but we'll get to it. Because did Donnie Cates ruin Venom for me? That is literally the subject of this conversation because we're talking about Venom number one, Ron V. Ron V. Al Ewing, kind, kind of. of. Yeah. All right. So let's just get into this. I've chatted with you, Ryan, about doing this book. I don't dislike this comic book. This is going to be an interesting conversation. I'm interested to see what the chat thinks, too. I have to know what the chat thinks because we are talking about this book in particular. Venom number one. We had a legendary run by Sir Cates take place. Multiple issues. I mean, how many issues were there? It was like 50 issues in that 2018 run. 2018 or
1: something. It's been a few years. Yeah,
0: 2018 to December of last year. And then we had Venom number one kick off. And we are about four issues in now, five issues into this run. And we have two writers on this, Al Ewing and Rom V. However, it's kind of more uh, Rom V than it's Al not Ewing.
1: A, so far, it is not a 50-50 split. Which I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed about. More like a 90-10 at this point.
0: So is your okay, let, let's talk about the narrative and did Donny Cates ruin Venom for me? Let's let's get into that next. Let's okay. talk about what actually is going on in this comic book. Where we pick off because a lot of members were a little concerned about their you know like whoever took on the run next, just kind of going in a different direction than Sir Cates brought us on. You know, with Dylan Brock and the King in Black and Eddie Brock being the Lord of the Symbiotes essentially. It didn't stop. Which so i your I applaud.
1: Was that they would do what Donny Cates actually did with Hulk after taking over Immortal Hulk, and he kind of just ignored a lot of the stuff it's that of- Al Ewing did at the end of Immortal Hulk and started his own story. Yeah. This Al Ewing did not do the same thing to Donny Cates, which is a weird it's weird that it's about both of these same writers, but they carried over a lot of the, the leftover stuff from the end of the last Venom run, which is always appreciated.
0: Let's let's uh you know, in preparation for this here today. I reread all of Donnie Cade's Venom because I couldn't I had to. I I read like I I read issue one of Venom, the 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 Rum V, and then we also read issue two, and then I'm like, oh, I guess I gotta see what, what is it that I'm not getting from this run that I was getting from the last run. Cause I don't dislike this comic, but there's something missing. And hot damn was Sir Kate's run on Venom good. That's all I That's what I like. Oh yeah. Okay, that's all it was. It's like every damn issue was just was so damn good that it, it, it soured the taste for other Venom comics. I, I want the absolute carnage. I want the Venom Island again. I want Dylan Brock. I want uh, the maker and all these just outstanding places that Donnie Cates took us on in Venom. I want that here, and we're four or five issues into Venom 1, and yeah, we're getting more progression in Dylan Brock. That's great, but we're not getting a whole lot of Eddie Brock, and I think that may be coming, but let's, let, let's catch him up. What's going on?
1: At least in this first issue, the groundwork is set up that Dylan Brock is on planet Earth. Eddie Brock is in outer space. That's right. And we have Rom V writing the Dylan Brock Earthbound stuff. Al Ewing writing the Eddie Brock trippy space stuff, which you can see here.
0: Eddie Brock is the Lord of the symbiotes. He's all places at once. He's controlling all of them to a certain degree. He can see and experiencing their past, their future. The Duke can even time travel now because of this craziness.
1: But we haven't really explored a lot of this because
0: no, you just get a taste of it, this Ryan. Is, this and is first... only
1: featured in the first issue because the following issues are heavily focused on Dylan Brock's Earthbound story.
0: That's right, and it's not bad. I like reading about Dylan. Yeah, you know, sure. this is something I was actually hoping Donnie would do more of. I wasn't. I didn't have a problem with it because the the Venom run he did was so great. But we are getting kind of Dylan's focus that I think he was that we were expecting to get maybe even last year. And we're getting it more now by a different writer. He's in school. He's getting into fights. You know, he, he's got Sleeper, which is one of my favorite parts of this book. I really wanted to bond with Sleeper. I thought that would be really cool, but it'll happen. You think it'll happen? Oh, yeah. He's bonded with Venom though, so who knows? And yeah. the way you can tell that um, it's Venom, that it's Dylan Venom, is that he's got chains around his wrists. Shout out,
1: very nineties,
0: Todd McFarlane. But we do have. Um, Something larger taking place that Eddie has to deal with. You know? Kang's getting involved. We have something going on in the future, but we don't know. There's a lot of questions. Did you grab that
1: There's a page where he, like, explores. Yeah, here we go. There we go. This is him kind of learning that he can see in the future. That's right. But he, this is his first attempt at doing this, and he immediately realizes, I'm going, this is way too much. I, I should pull out of this. This is scary. Well, he's realizing that he
0: could at any point with with just like too much thought in one direction transport himself into a different point of time. And he kind of like lets loose with that because he's trying to figure things out and what he sees in the future is this this chaos. Kind of a tease of things to come. I like
1: that you could see something that comes at the end of this very issue where this guy in the helicopter finds Dylan. That was a a nice kind of proof that this is actually going to happen. The artwork in here is done by Brian Hitch also. I have to point out.
0: Now you're not a big fan of of I, Hitch's work. Now is that because of the Green Lantern stuff that he did?
1: There were some variant covers he did recently for Green Lantern that I wasn't the biggest fan of. Um, I don't know. I think. See, the,
0: again, is this is this in reverse now? You've is, talked about how you missed. Donnie I miss Donnie. Is it you missing Ryan Stegman? I really miss Ryan Stegman drawing this. That's studio. what it is, right? Like something.
1: Uh, uh, this isn't bad artwork by by any by any definition. But no, I it's love, beautiful. I
0: mean, it's great. It's just, I love the, not the way,
1: the feel of, of Ryan Stegman's symbiote in particular had this goopy, stretchy, rubbery feeling to it. You could, you, could, you could see what it feels like. And Brian Hitch's artwork feels a little two-dimensional and flat to me.
0: I want to see where we're going with Eddie more than anything. And right. I think maybe had that happened sooner, be, be before our review, or conversation about this, maybe my opinions would be a little different. Maybe I'd be more hyped about this run. I'm still reading it. I'm reading every issue. It's I'm a, in for the long haul, you know.
1: It's a formatting thing. I think the first issue, unfortunately, decided to roughly split in half. Half of the book was about Dylan. Half of it was about Eddie Brock.
0: See, And I would have liked that. Right. I thought that that's how they were going to do every single issue. You know, Al Ewing taking care of the Eddie stuff. Rom V taking care of the Dylan Brock stuff. We get a little bit of both every single issue. But no, Eddie's kind of, like, barely there, and we're getting a Dylan Brock narrative. That's great. But the Dylan Brock narrative is, like... I mean, we just had this huge null event. Symbiots right. everywhere. You can't, you can't beat defeat null. Maybe that's why they're dialing like, it back a bit and like saying, let's get something a little more grounded, a little more but, earthbound, a little more personal. But more grounded has like. turned into like the government trying to take out symbiots again, and it's like, right? Oh, we need a symbiote nullifier gun, and now it makes it so symbiots are like kind of easy to take on, and it's like, yo, we were just like these are like the most lethal things we were talking about. 2 months ago.
1: And they're bringing all this life protecting, you know, the what is it? The Life Foundation the life stuff Foundations. from the from the Lethal
0: Protector run. Mm-hmm. They're, doing a, they're doing a lot of callbacks and Which isn't bad. Again, I'm not upset. I'm just it's different. Ah, it's different and I'm I miss Sir Kate's on the run. I'm excited to read Hulk. Maybe I'm going to say the same thing about Donnie Cates. That'd be so funny. Have you not read Hulk yet? I've only read the first issue. Okay. First two issues, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's up to 3 so you're not you know. Yeah, behind. I got
0: to I got to catch up.
1: It's interesting. I'll say that much, but I think if if this, if this Venom story had done this half-and-half half Dylan, half-Eddie all the way through, I think we'd have a, a different, a I think different comic different. book. And it looks like the second—I'm assuming the second story arc is going to pick up more of the Eddie Brock stuff and less of the Dylan stuff. Do you think uh, Robin and Al are going to switch off? It's like they're taking turns, you know, swapping out writing, which is usually what you see when they swap out artists because it's sure. much harder to draw a book than it is to, to write one, really.
0: True, true, true. Comic fam, what do you think about Venom? Is— is am I off here? Is a, Tom a, off? Am I off? Am, am I? Is this analysis like I just I'm not, I haven't read this closely enough or something, but it's just not gripping me in the way that the last run did. But I'm in it. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it all, and, I, and I'm hyped about it. I I, I I really like the setup that Eddie Brock has, and I think that's what a lot of people shared at the end of King and Black. You know, like oh man, this is different. Eddie is not bonded with the symbiote anymore. Dylan's dealing with his stuff. Venom's de- we have. Multiple narratives. We have Dylan, we have Venom, and we have Eddie Brock written by two different writers. And now, time displacement, we have like, some stuff happening in the future, some stuff happening in the past. Like, that's a lot of fun ideas that are all being developed. So that's why I'm in it. It's the like they haul.
1: threw all of this out as in issue one, and then they kind of Pulled a bunch of it away from us and said, not yet. You can't nope. you can't get that we're yet. We're going to we're high gonna...
0: school and Dylan's going to get beat up. Yeah. You know? All right. well, I got beat up in high school, man. I know what, <laughs> it's, I know like. what it's like. I don't like it. Mom! <laughs> I don't want to read it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do my homework. All right, comic fam. We are reading comics. What are you reading? Let us know in the comment section below. Venom, Impossible, Jones, Echoland, and Batman. Woo! Good comics. It's a good week. It was actually a really good week, man. Like, I seldom am reading books. I'm like, oh, damn. I was worried about Echolands. Right. But then I'm like, ooh, issue I was, two. I'm not you would like
1: Echo Lands personally.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. The, the art, the art stuff in is the so back is what good. seals it for me. The, yeah. inter-
1: the interviews, I don't really care for the fact that four pages out of every issue is him explaining all the albums he listens to while he draws. <laughs> I'm not a music I, person. I was wondering,
0: because you're not a music person. I don't care.
1: And I look at that list, it's oh, like, so funny. Part of me is like, oh, you jerk. You're just trying to humble brag about all these super indie bands I listen to that nobody likes. Or, best case scenario, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I know that one. That's cool. Oh, my goodness. Blade Runner soundtrack. Awesome.
0: Next page. (laughs) (laughs) The Blade Runner soundtrack. All right, Comic Fam. We're talking about Spawn. Hit the like. Slap the subscribe. But before we do that, we got to tell you about a big, big announcement. Oh, yeah. This is huge, man. I'm excited. Are you you hyped? Can't you tell? I think you're hyped. How excited are you, Ryan? Uh,
1: it, It still kind of boggles my mind. It hasn't hit me yet.
0: All right. Shout out, Bird City Comics. I got reached out by Bird City Comics, and they're like, yo, I got a really dope cover. I'm wondering if you're interested in collaborating on it. And it was for a run that I was trying to make a variant happen for, but the stars didn't align. I got a lot of projects happening. And I'm like, you know what? I'm probably gonna have to pass on this cover. And I wanted to do something. But then Bird City Comics hit me up. Great shop, birdcitycomics.com. And they have this cover for a comic book. And it was like the stars aligned. We have Radiant Red. Which is one of Ryan's favorite ongoing superhero universes. Shout out Kyle Higgins. Shout out Radiant Black.
1: Yes, the main main title of this universe, which
0: we've done a review on as well.
1: It was on my Top 10 Books of 2021 video. But also,
0: you like R.L. Stein.
1: I was a big Goosebumps kid back in the day. So this So, this was an interesting crossover for me.
0: So I had to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the first Comic Tom Fire Guy Ryan exclusive. Oh, Comic Fam, it's happened flame on, on i'm on fire that's 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 like the you part of this logo the shout out johnson but take a look at this we have our first exclusive and we've teamed up with as mentioned bird city comics to release this and they're going to be doing a pre-sale of this comic book starting i think it's like next week the 11th i i, I put it down somewhere um Actually, I should probably say that. You should know, because I don't know. I should know. It's it's. I wrote it down here. Um, they will be oh, printing right out uh, okay. February 11th at birdcitycomics.com. They're printing 750 of these. They said they're going to send us some comps. Um, I want to get you some copies, Ryan, Thank and myself. You. So we're going to get like 100 or 150 of these. Oh, wow. So if you okay. want to buy them from us, we're going to have them early March. But Bird City Comics is selling the bulk of this run. Our logos are on the back. And without further ado... Why don't we show them the book? First off, I'm going to show you what the homage is to. We have R.L. Stein, Goosebumps, Attack of the Mutant. I don't think I read this one. He's no superhero. He's a supervillain. you never read this one? I don't know if I read this This one. This is like one of the most classic Goosebumps books that exists, man. Oh, man. There we go. So, Ryan, between now and the end of next month. Where do you you find
1: Goosebumps books? I don't
0: know, man. I kind of wanted to collect them, man. I thought it would be cool to have a whole run of them, right? So, without further ado, the first Comic Tom Fire Guy Ryan exclusive, I present The Radiant Red. Oh, I can do a better shot of that. Boom. Boom. Look at that book. Red or not, here I come. Get it? Boom. Red or not. How does it feel? This is is our book, man.
1: I'm glad it's not a book I didn't really care about either. I was worried.
0: I wouldn't have done that to you, man. Okay, good. I wouldn't have done that to you. No, no, it's important because, like, the the comics that we make exclusives for, they got to speak to me. We're going to talk about them on the mic. There's something that I want to be excited about. You know, I'm going to say no to a lot before I get to the one that's going to work. But as soon as I saw the homage, I saw the the title for the homage, I thought, Fire Guy Ryan, this is your time. Let's do it. We're going to do an exclusive together. So, Bird City Comics, February 13th, excuse me, 11. February 11th on their website. You can get a pre order in for this. 750 will be printed. Who knows what damages will be like on this book. Um, and we will have copies. We'll probably sell them on Whatnot or our website early next month if you want to get them from us. Very cool. Either
1: way, you should be reading Radiant Black and Radiant Red when this spinoff drops in March. So the last I- time issue off series,
0: you know, when reading Impossible Jones and being so excited about the superhero world building happening, the last time that really happened, maybe Eris's book,
1: right? That's what I was. Th- Ordinary gods, so right. recent. Yeah.
0: Um, between both of those, I, I think, like I, I think those, th- I think these three superhero worlds: Radiant Black, Ordinary Gods, and Radiant Red.
1: Astonishing times.
0: Astonishing times. Excuse okay.
1: me. Getting the Kyle Higgins wires crossed.
0: Oh my gosh! What am I doing? The Higgins wires be crossed because it's trash there we go <laughs> that's me uh, my brain tom's trash not i'm kyle trash uh, yeah kyle higgins i love i love kyle higgins yes oh my goodness all right here we go radiant red it's coming and now let's chat about spawn because we got to comic fam this is insane okay so this is what happened can Key collector can, can
1: i interrupt you real quick yeah do it the other day when you called me to prep for the show yeah uh, i was on the way out the house you know i was getting in my car to start driving i was gonna get food and, and Tom, we're, we're prepping the show, and Tom dumps this whole spawn story on me. And I'm, like, parked outside waiting to go through the drive-thru.
0: <laughs> were you waiting? Like, you didn't want to go through the drive-thru I didn't yet? I want to,
1: like, order food while I'm on the... Oh, I'm paying attention. Let me get this and this and this and this you know? Oh, my gosh.
0: That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> so this is what's crazy, Comic Fam. It's this a cool is, story. It's a, it's a great story because it shows you what happens behind the scenes a little bit, um, specifically Key Collector Comics and... How important it is to to keep up on the marketplace in the way that this gentleman and team does over there. So
1: Shout out Nick.
0: Shout out Nick colonies. We love you over here. So we have this comic book to tell you about Spawn. Issue number 306. 306. Looks like it. Yep. Looks like it. This is the variant Nether Realms Mortal Kombat DLC Game Edition. All right. This is a variant that a lot of people don't know about because it was intended for distribution in 2020 during the final combat, uh, Mortal Kombat live gaming competition that was held in Chicago, that was canceled because of the pandemic. All right. So what was interesting is that there was apparently a twenty-five hundred dollars sale for this comic book. Hot damn! That is. Insane.
1: So they printed all of these as they were tended to give out to the people fighting in this video game tournament that got canceled. And,
0: and individuals there. like okay. It was supposed to be a promotional thing giving, a, giving sure. them away.
1: But then they canceled the event, but they still have all these comics made.
0: So that's the question. What happened to these comic books? So first off, this was an alert done by Key Collector, and he titled it a cautionary alert. This was an alert that wasn't to tell you, look how expensive this book is selling for. No, on the contrary, it was a, this book is selling for an amount that seems high for the information that we know. And that's why I wanted to bring it to the mic because what's happened over the last two weeks as it pertains to Key Collector Comics, Spawn, the McFarland team, and the convention house that hosted this whole thing, or at least I was planning on hosting it, is amazing. So... Key collector sends out the alert, cautionary alert. This book was supposed to have been given away. We have no word on what happened to it because the convention was shut down. No one attended. So how are individuals getting this, and who has them? Because you have to assume if none of them were given away, they're all together. Right. They could all be in one box. Does one person have these? Like that's some of the things that starts to, to come up. You know, you start to think about wait a minute. Are these prices inflated? Is someone or a team or someone doing something to try to make the most money they can on a book that shouldn't sell for the amounts that it's going for because of this artificial scarcity? In theory,
1: if whoever might have this stash were to release the entire stash all at once online, the price would drop because there's a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, everyone has it, right? So
1: you're saying if they trickle them out one by one or some small number to kind of Make sure the scarcity makes the price high, is what you're saying. Like some kind of manipulation? Exactly. Okay.
0: So currently, there are two copies graded on the census at 9.8. One copy at a 9.6, a 9.2, a nine zero, and an 8.5. That is it. So in over, now going on two years now, there's only been a handful of copies that were graded. We're, we've been told of sales that exceed $2,500. This is the recipe for something possibly wrong or something glorious to have taken place. Either we have one of the scarcest, most collectible Spawn McFarlane comics that's ever been created, or we don't, and one person is arbitrarily moving the needle in the market. Now, how do we figure this out? Well, Key Collector did, and kudos to Nick and team over there. So, they reached out after communicating the information as key collector knew it reached out to McFarland's team for response. And they provided a response. That is something that seldomly happens like publishers communicating back and forth, especially with like the collector's market, the, the, the aftermarket, the secondary market, eBay sales. And what we do here, like, like, like the, the variant market, like all of us that collects expensive paper, they like they, they address us, you know. They, they like to know we're there. They rely on us, definitely, as a community. Like, we're a big part of the foundation of the damn comic market. But they don't really like to, you know. They, like to, they know we're there, but they're not really looking to, like, collaborate. Sure. To talk, you know. It's like, hey, you guys do your thing. We'll do our thing. We'll keep making the comics. You guys keep buying the comics. And we'll just kind of go our separate paths. But we're working together. It's kind of a weird thing. But I've been doing this for four years. I've experienced it head-on multiple times, right? So... This was McFarlane's response about this Spawn giveaway. Uh, McFarlane teams, rather. So, this was a small event to begin with. Only a couple hundred issues were produced. Interesting. We now have a proximate print count. Hot damn. Telling us the information. I love it. It was canceled to the public, but it was still held in private for the players. What we were told... Is that less than 50 copies were distributed by the event organizers to the players and their plus ones? Okay, so if so there's. So 50... it went out to uh, uh, some people. Some people got this. The rest, along with all other free swag, was trashed due to the cost of shipping it back to the McFarland offices. We have worked with them before, so there is no reason to believe that this was not the case. I know the guys of, on some of the spawn groups are pretty relentless when it comes to rare spawn issues, and I know several of them reached out to the players themselves to get a copy. I think it would be fair to say that less than 50 copies exist out in the wild at this point. I hope this helps. The conclusion... By Key Collector Comics is summarized as the following. It is difficult to determine how many of these exist, but chances are that it is one of the scarcest variants considering it was going to be given away at an event that was to take place at the Park West Theater in Chicago. uh, Key Collector Nick Colonese did the research, contacted the Chicago event to find out that has an occupancy max of a thousand individuals. That gives you an idea. McFarland's camp saying there's only a few hundred. There could only be at max a thousand people during pandemic. It would have been even lower. Thus, stars are aligning here. I've said that a couple times. We have possibly one of the rarest spawn exclusives that's ever been created. Or we don't. When you told this to me the other
1: day, that was... I was mostly listening. (laughs) The rest of me was thinking like, Taco Bell, Taco Bell.
0: (laughs) What did you order from Taco Bell, Ryan? I was right there in the parking lot the whole time. Like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, dude, like, this is how this kind of thing comes up. Because we we have a particular situation that happens often. Where sometimes something is worth a lot of money and sometimes it's not. And that's completely dependent on distribution and what exists. And that information is like seldomly available to the public. So whenever something like this is discovered, I'll bring you back to another Spawn story. When McFarlane joined me on the mic and we were, tra- we were talking about Spawn 1 and he talked about the error in Spawn 1 on the inside cover where the logo was kind of messed up. And he's like, oh, I remember that error. I remember seeing it off the printer going, stop the print. This is screwed up. You need to fix this. And then it was like half the run got fixed. Him saying that. Who's even going
1: to notice? Screw
0: it. Here's the thing. A lot of people didn't notice.
1: Yeah, I I never know. When
0: he went back on the mic to talk about it with me, all we saw for weeks after are people looking for that printing error because they knew this happened first. These were the first in the print run. McFarland said it was half or less, maybe a little more, plus or minus 10, but it was near half. Had he said, oh, it was the first 20%, it would have been completely different. And people would be grading these things in mass. They would be requesting CGTC to put it on the label. They would sell it for double the amount. They're not rightfully so because, you know, it's about half the print run. It's the same print run, so it doesn't really matter. But people still gave a crap. They still wanted to have both copies because they are different. So whenever we find more info out about how a comic book came to market, I find it fascinating because so many runs, variants, giveaways, they have a story. And sometimes the story is so intriguing that it like kind of adds to its excitement and makes it more collectible.
1: Like the, uh, what was it? That Spider-Man book that that girlfriend wrote on? That we talked about yeah. forever ago. Yeah, like I'm you to know think of, a, of a book that has a story to it.
0: There's a lot of them, man. I mean, like this the D23 variant. You know, this was given away. You know, it's I have it up here. You can't see it on the screen, but the, the sketch variant. It was given away at the D23 event during the first convention post the acquisition by Disney of Marvel Comics, or acquisition of Marvel by Disney. Well, uh, you know,
1: it's only a matter of time before Mickey shows up in the MCU.
0: Mickey's actually going to be in the next book of Boba, right? Yeah, if I you didn't it. know. Comic fam, we've talked about comic books. Shout out to Key Collector Comics for doing this uh, analysis of Spawn 306, the giveaway. Keep an eye out for it. Apparently, according to McFarland's team, under 60, 50 even made it out there, and the rest were tossed. It could have been a few hundred copies. It could have been upwards of 1,000 copies. I bet it was closer to the, the, the lower amount. But regardless, information coming out. To the Either community way, that's is best. Super small print run, very small. We appreciate your time today, comic fam. I want to remind you: if you like what we do and you want to support the show, we are an active enrollment for the February mystery mail call. We have Thor twenty going out one per box. We have I know what you did last summer. Stray Dogs, Dog Days issue number one homage, and a Watchmen homage. The Space Cadet. That's right. Shout out Hendrix, uh Hendrick, he is the writer. Of The Recount. Mm -hmm. He made a kid's book. Pretty cool. Um, One per box. We are in open enrollment for one more week. You got one week left. One week left. Comictom101.com. Every one of these books that you see on screen is going to be in the box. And you'll have a chance at getting a Star Wars number one graded at 8.5. We have some other books going out there too, but we just haven't updated the website yet. And if you want to join us every single Wednesday We actually do streams hour by hour, starting at 2 o'clock with Jem Mint.
1: It's your boy Jem
0: Mint. On the best new app to buy and sell collectibles, whatnot, available for both Androids and iPhones. We do auctions that start as little as 60, 30, 20, and sometimes even 15 seconds long that are a dollar start. Ryan actually hosted here. You did your first stream on there.
1: Russ was there. He was but helping. Yeah, this, is, uh, this next week he's going to be completely behind the camera, and then the week after that, he's not even going to be there.
0: What was your experience? A little nervous. D- it was nervous, it but like me, I'm here. There's like
1: way more people. There's 136 <laughs> people in here right now compared to, you know, a handful on the whatnot stuff,
0: but I got I to gotta know a lot more on that show. So it's a, little, it's a little different. But what was it like? It was fun. Talking to the community, it's fast paced. It's you're there. You're on stream. You're holding up comics. You're ex- you're, you're talking about what you're actually dealing with, and right. you can interact with the community. It's my favorite method of selling comics and buying comics that I've experienced in quite a long time, outside of like a set it and forget it like subscription service.
1: Yeah, you know? my only experience is the Guru's claim sale.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's very
1: similar, there's but different vibes on the whatnot. It's a little more intimate. You can that's right have more conversations with people versus. Wild claims happening left and right on that thing
0: Well join us on Wednesday starting at 2 o'clock Then we have Nerdy Girl Comics Danielle, Russ, the comic sensei Milgi goes at 4, I go at 5 My dad, Comic Pops, rocks the mic After me from 6 to 7 Then we got Sammy and Tony from Skeleton Key Comics The powerful Rage Theo At 8 and then we end with the Golden Age Guru We hit 50,000 subscribers This past week Thank you You're welcome I appreciate the comic fam. I'm one of them. You are one of those subscribers. And it, it means a lot. It was a very, uh, kind of a surreal week because we hit 50K one day and then just three days later or so, it was our four-year anniversary on YouTube. Good timing. Yeah. Is it, does it feel like we've been doing this for four years?
1: I've, I've been saying three years, a lot, on accident, just because last year doesn't feel like it counted.
0: It's very strange, maybe it's because like the pandemic and and things you once know. you
1: hit thirty time just doesn't count anymore. yeah,
0: you just kind of stop stop like, oh, caring about been, time I'm
1: already thirty three now, so oh cool. time's just on double speed at this point, I guess until you die.
0: <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank the community um live on camera. It's been an amazing four years um easily the the funnest thing I've ever done in my life as it pertains to same to, to work and to hobbies and to just like in general, community building friendships, things like that. It's just been a a wild ride, but it's been excellent. And what I'll tell you is that we're doing a 55,000 subscriber giveaway. We're going to keep the milestone giveaways coming. Um, We have an Omni Man issue number one of Invinci- well, rather, Omni-Man cover, Tyler Kirkham, whatnot exclusive of Invincible One with Omni-Man bloodied on the cover. Comment on this video. Comment on all of our videos. We're going to randomly pick one of them and do a random comment picker. I want you to win this book. It's an expensive book, a few hundred bucks. And we're going to add to this pile over time. After 25, you get an insurance break, says Richard Vloth. That is true. You actually get a pretty nice insurance break. That's good to know. So that's like one of the positive things about being in our 30s, Ryan. I'm there's, 31 now.
1: There's few positives. You
0: are. I was in my 20s when I started this channel. You were.
1: That is how math works. So was I. Math.
0: How it goes, man. How Barely, it goes. But I was. Yo, I appreciate all you guys, and shout out to the other members of the YouTube fam who are hitting their four years. It's got to be happening to me now. On YouTube, Tom. What was that?
1: Are you subscribed to me
0: on YouTube? Yeah. At Fire Guy Ryan on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're uh, one of the recommended channels on the on the YouTube channel. Okay. So we have. to know. In this Had month, sure. it's not just our channel though that hit four years because Bueller started within two weeks of us. So shout out comics with Bueller. I want to see everybody who are in the chat to to give Bueller some love over this next month. He's actually about to embark on a huge quest. He had his final coffee and comics show this week, which was a little heartbreaking. Man, I was feeling sad watching that. I didn't even i didn't even watch it yet. I, I don't know if I I, I got, yeah, it's, it's hard because he's like, he's like thanking people, saying it's the last one. I'm like, oh my gosh. But what he's about to do is going to be glorious. So I, he excited. better come
1: here, man. I keep, every time I talk to him, Dude, he's
0: mobile. Okay. For those of you who don't know, Bueller sold everything in his life. He sold his house to Bob. Okay, I didn't even know that, yeah. Yeah, he said it on camera, so it's got to be okay to talk about. But yeah, he's like, yo, I'm selling my house, Bob's going to buy it, give him a good deal. He bought a van, he's changed the van into like an RV home, and he's going to just travel America, go to conventions, and try to hit every comic shop in existence. So it's
1: still comics with Bueller.
0: It's still comics okay. with Bueller. Okay, I was
1: worried he was just done with the no, whole thing. No, 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 no. No one's ever going to see him again. No,
0: he's like, he's got Wi-Fi on there, and okay. he's got a... Freaking bathroom on that bus. Well, that's good. Yeah. He's, he's going to hit the road. And he Otherwise, told you'd be me. Everywhere. He's like, but he's going like east. east. He's like not going to Washington first. We're so, like
1: a half hour away from him.
0: I know, but he's going to go <laughs> elsewhere first, man. I don't know what, what's what a going down. Punk. So big shout out to Comics with Bueller. Be following his channel because he's about to start this huge journey. We're all watching him. We're all so excited. He's saving us for last. He's probably going to loop his way and then come back around to visit us. Best for last. I think that's what he's going to do. And someone else who also started the same month as us, I believe was Reggie collects. So big shout out to Reggie. i him. Um, hitting his four years as well. Time flies with the uh, best community in the world. Uh, I'm talking about the funnest, coolest stuff that exists, which is comic books. It's a weird life. Yeah, it's a good one, though. Um, We appreciate it. Um, Shout out to every member who's been sticking with us all over these four years. You know who you are. Um, Some of you are still involved with the Mystery Mail Call. Thank you to the grandfathered members who have been sticking with us over these years, making all this possible. In the last couple years, we have brought Ryan full-time comics. We have um, helped grow our local comic shop. Milgi Comics is doing quite well. Shout out Russ, the comic sensei, um, the Golden Age Guru has been doing crazy claim sales, growing his business, all because the community supports him. We got Comic Pops back into comics over this last year full-time. Very proud about that. It's just been a beautiful thing, and, and I couldn't do it without the community that we have here. So big thank you, and that's podcast 54. 54.
1: The same school bus number that I rode in elementary school, so this number is in my head.
0: It's in his brain, now. and it's in, his, in his, uh, his noggin. Now it is useless. We appreciate you, comic fam, as always. Geek responsibly.
1: And that's the show. Good. I'm sick of this stuff. (laughs)